Good morning, or if you're watching the replay, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day that you might be watching the replay. I'm Dallas Johnson. Thank you very much for being here on this uh, Friday morning. And uh, to let you know, we are going to be doing these live streams every Friday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Pacific, and 8 o'clock Mountain as well. So thank you very much for being here. Uh, my name is Dallas Johnson. I am the lead instructor of the Automobile Dealer Training Association. This is our channel, Dealer Training. And I certainly do appreciate having you along for the ride this morning. So uh, what we're going to talk about today, I'm going to talk about basically where dealers can buy vehicles and how to sell vehicles. And we're going to talk about some negotiation strategies as well. So uh, hopefully you'll find this helpful. Uh, you can certainly chat your comments here if you're watching this live or, you know, if you are watching the replay, I do my very best to respond to every single question. So, uh, uh, I'm the, like I said, I'm the lead instructor of the Automobile Dealer Training Association. Our channel is the Dealer Training Channel. And it's interesting because I got an email from YouTube the other day that congratulated me on my 10 years of posting video content on YouTube. So I can't believe it. I didn't realize I'd been doing it that long, but I have actually been posting dealer training videos for 10 years now. And if you go back and look at some of our old ones, they were they were pretty unprofessional, but, you know, maybe they still are unprofessional, but uh, I can't believe I've been posting these videos for 10 years. So let's go ahead and get started. Please leave your comments if you have any comments there in the chat box or if you are watching on the replay. Uh, I certainly do look forward to having you leave your comments there, and I will do my very best to uh, to shout back at you no matter what. So let's go ahead and take a look at some things here. Um, you know, the first thing I want you to always be aware is you know, we are an actual approved provider. Now, you can take any one of our dealer training courses at dealertraining.org. Those are non-mandated courses. But if you are getting a dealer's license in the state of Texas, we're approved by the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles. That's the Automobile Dealer Training Association. And you can take that course online at texasdealers.com. That's a six-hour online course that is approved by the Texas DMV. So you can take that course and then apply for your dealer's license. If you're getting your dealer's license in California, we're approved by the California Department of Motor Vehicles, and that's a six-hour Zoom, live Zoom course. So the Texas course is downloadable at your own convenience. The California course is a live six-hour course. So you have to be logged on your computer and watch me live and interact live. But uh, if you want to get your dealer's license in Ohio, you can go to ohiodealer.com. We are approved by the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles. That's the Ohio BMV, and you can take that six-hour training course at your convenience. So you can stop and start it at your convenience. And we actually do give in-class training there as well. So there's kind of a hybrid mix there. In Missouri, the old law requires that you set in a classroom for instruction. You cannot take the class in Missouri uh, online. So you have to sit through a four-hour course and I'll be giving that course for you. So if you want to meet me or I'd love to meet you and you're getting a dealer's license in the state of Missouri, please uh, go to missouridealer.com and you can sign up there. We are a continuing education provider for the state of New Mexico. So if you're a New Mexico dealer and you're renewing your license, you can go to NewMexicoDealer.com. We are approved for continuing education for the New Mexico Motor Vehicle Division. But more importantly, down there at the bottom, Dealertraining.org. No matter what state you're in, that's where we post our dealer training courses. And uh, we've got tons of content there for you that's not available on YouTube. We have profit strategies, startup, compliance. If you are currently a licensed dealer, 
or you're interested in maintaining compliance, uh, you can go to dealertraining.org. So there's a lot of ways you can make money with a dealer's license, you know, and maybe you've already got a dealer's license. Maybe you're thinking about getting a dealer's license. I've been in this industry many, many years. Uh, I had my own license. I had, I ran my own dealership for several years and it was quite profitable actually. And I actually ran that dealership. Then I went into training and now my training has basically overtaken the dealership. I do not currently have a dealer's license, but I had one in the past. Now, one thing I found out, you can participate on offsite shows and sales. And I, I want to talk about these because your state is going to be very strict on these. And what I'm talking about, there are two different types of things here. There's an offsite show and an offsite sale. They're two very different things here. So an offsite show might be where you go into your mall and you see a dealer that has two or three uh, two or three vehicles sitting in that mall and there's no sales activity, there's no salespersons around or anything like that. That's what we refer to as an offsite show. You're showing vehicles offsite, but there are no sales activities involved whatsoever. You're probably a little bit more familiar with the tent sales and things like that. When you go to your mall and you see that big tent sale out there and they got tons of cars out there and some mall parking lot, that's called an offsite sh uh, sale. That's an offsite sale because there is actually offsite sales activity. But no matter what, if you're going to participate either an offsite show or an offsite sale, you do have to register with your state's dealer regulatory bureau. I want you to be really aware of this because if you ever have offsite sales activity that's not legally registered with your state, you will probably lose your dealer's license because every state in the country requires your retail sales activity to take place at your license location. And there are dealers that violate this to get their licenses revoked. And I'm going to talk about this. You know, if your dealership, say, for example, is on ABC Highway and you've got someone that calls you and says, hey, listen, I know you're out there on ABC Highway. I can't make it out there, but can you bring it over here and show it on show it on XYZ Lane? I mean, they might ask you if you can bring that vehicle and show it at a non-licensed location. This is illegal in most states, okay? So you always need to be aware. I'm going to really preach this to you. You've got to make sure that your retail sales activity, and that's the sales activity that you have when you are selling a vehicle to an individual. That's a retail sale because if a wholesale sale would be a sale to another licensed dealer. But if you're selling a vehicle to an individual that doesn't have a dealer's license, that's a retail sale. And that sales activity has to take place at your license location. Now you see Vroom, Carvana, all these companies right now, uh, or you might even have heard a franchiser saying, hey, we'll bring the vehicle to you. Well, legally that franchiser cannot just take that vehicle and show it. They can sell it and then deliver it. And that's what usually these companies like Vroom and Carvana are doing. So like, say for example, Carvana, you go to their website, you're going to fill out a loan application or you're going to buy it on a spot. And once you purchase that vehicle, they will deliver it to your dealership. Okay. Once you purchased it, but they're going to have that paper trail that shows the purchase was made basically at the Carvana dealership. And then after that, states legally allow them to deliver that vehicle. One thing Carvana could never do is just take a vehicle and show it to someone at their home without purchasing it. That's offsite sales activity, which is illegal in just about every single state. So uh, do please keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, uh, Carvana, Vroom, these are all, the, all these companies are great companies that are abiding by their state laws. I guarantee it. In fact, um, those companies come in and they've actually taken my dealer training courses to get licensed in the states that they operate in. So I've actually met several employees of these companies that they're getting, that they have a dealer's license, but uh, uh, I always let them know you can't have retail offsite sales activity. Now, let's just say, for example, you know, you got your you got your uh, your dealership on ABC Highway and someone on XYZ Lane calls you 
you can't go show it to them. But what you could do is mail them the paperwork, mail him or her the paperwork, have them complete the paperwork, and then mail back the payment to your dealership. And then you can ship or deliver the vehicle. But you couldn't just meet them halfway at some mall parking lot and do the paperwork there. Normally, that's going to be offsite sales activity. Now, you could possibly live in a state that allows offsite sales activity. I doubt that you do, but you might. There may be some loophole in some state law that's changed in the last year that I'm unaware of. But uh, I always want to make sure that you're very, very aware that uh, sales activity does have to take place at the licensed location. If you're ever invited to participate in an offsite show or an offsite sale, make sure and call your state's dealer regulatory bureau. Normally, that's going to be in your state's capital. And if you go to our website, as you see there on the screen, dealertraining.org.dmv.html, that's kind of a long one there, uh, you can find your link to your dealer regulatory agency. So make sure you never, ever sell your vehicles at an offsite location unless you contact the state. Now, wholesale activity can take place at other dealer auctions. So you might, you know, you can go sell your vehicles at every dealer auction in the United States. With your dealer license, you can get into those dealer auctions. Uh, so that's wholesale activity. Wholesale activity is allowed to be taken place at other dealer auctions and things like that. But uh, retail activity is normally going to be required to be taken place right there on your retail license location. Something else you might want to explore are vehicle consignments. Now, states have strict regulations on vehicle consignments as well. And a consignment is obviously where you take another person's vehicle and sell it on your lot. That's just consignment. Now, I've done consignments in the past, and I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. Uh, I think they're a pain in the rear end. And the reason I say this, first of all, when you've got someone that wants to sell a vehicle on your lot, the very first thing you need to do is make sure your state allows it, because some states do not allow this. I want to repeat that. Some states do not allow vehicle consignments. And then more importantly, uh, you've also got to find out if your insurance company allows it. Many, many insurance companies strictly prohibit consignment sales. So you definitely want to check with your insurance agent this, that handles your dealer insurance coverage. Uh, some of them do require like uh, an additional rider and an additional fee. So definitely check with them. Now, when you have established that it's legal in your state and that the uh, your insurance company is going to allow that, then what you're going to have to do is go buy, uh, basically contact that customer. They're going to contact you. And they have to give you something in writing. They have to, you have to have written permission to have that vehicle on your lot. So most states are going to require you have what's called proof of ownership. Well, technically, proof of ownership for consignment is going to be something where in writing where that customer has given you permission to sell that vehicle. So they have to have a written document. So you've got, you've got let's say you got John Doe's car on your lot. You've gotten written permission from John Doe. And now Sally Doe, that's not related to John Doe, but Sally Doe comes onto your lot. And she wants to buy that. That's great. What you're going to have to do, you're going to have to get John Doe down there with all the with his title and everything. And you literally have to take the vehicle and assign the title from John Doe to your dealership and then your dealership to Sally Doe. So you're all sitting there at the same time because you can't have open titles. You've got to always have titles that are completed at the time of the transactions. And I found it was a real pain. So I stopped doing consignments. And when I had someone that contacted me, that wanted to sell a vehicle on my lot, the first thing I asked them was, well, how much do you want for this thing? And if I could get that at a pretty decent price, I would go ahead and buy the vehicle from them. That way there was no, no problems with the state or insurance riders or things like that. And you're going to constantly, constantly be looking for vehicles to sell. Uh, so, you know, I would recommend that you might just consider when you have somebody that, uh, 
uh, wants to consign a vehicle on your lot, ask them how much they want for that vehicle, and uh, you might be able to buy it outright. And then you've been able to mark it up and throw it onto your lot, okay? Hey, by the way, we're using StreamYard. I've used, this is the second week in a row I've used StreamYard. This is a great program. I'm really impressed with this program. Very simple to use if you're ever going to do a live stream. Uh, and I'm still using the free version. So I've kind of been deciding whether or not I'm, I'm probably going to go for it and pay and use their paid version and take the logo off there. But there's a little bit of a uh, little bit of advertising for StreamYard. Second week in a row that I have used this and I've been very impressed. Remember, we're going to be here every week at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Mountain and 7 o'clock Pacific for your live streams. Or if you're watching this on the replay, hopefully you'll find it, you're finding it advantageous. You're also going to be able to profit on trade-in strategies. Now, normally, now normally you're going to think that uh, you know when you're taking a trade-in, you're taking a car for a trade for another car, or maybe somebody's trading a motorcycle on a truck or something like that. Now, all vehicles do allow trade-ins. Some, some, I'm, I'm sorry, all states allow trade-ins, but some states allow a trade-in allowance, and some states do not. So, what is a trade-in allowance? A trade-in allowance is where Let's say you sell a vehicle for $10,000 and you took a $3,000 trade. Many states give that customer a trade-in allowance, which reduces their sales tax liability. So in a lot of states, they'll take the $10,000 minus the $3,000 trade-in will equal a net price of $7,000. So you can take the, 10, 000, the, the selling price of the vehicle, subtract the trade-in, and that will equal the net price. And that determines how much sales tax that person pays on that vehicle now, some states strictly prohibit trade-in, so you definitely need to contact your state regulatory agency on that and find out if you are allowed uh, trade-in credits. But with that being said, you know, also, not every state, but most states allow personal property to be traded on motor vehicles. So let me, let me talk about this. You know, and I, as I've traveled the state, the, the United States, I've, I've told you this before, I, uh, I've traveled the United States, you know, before we went online, the majority of my training was in an in-class environment. And uh, I've done this for many, many years. Although I've only been posting YouTube videos for about 10 years, I've been training dealers in a classroom environment for over 15 years all over the United States and given these approved training classes for several states. With that being said, you know, many states do allow what's called a personal property trade-in. So, you know, for that car you've got sitting on your lot, I mean, you can probably take a TV set or an iPad or a watch or a gun or furniture. You know, most states allow this, not all states. So you have to check with your state, okay? Now, as I've traveled the country, you know, I've, I've met dealers that have, you know, I knew a guy that collected Rolex watches. So if you would bring a Rolex watch, he would give you a great deal on a car. Uh, I, knew an, I knew another dealer that was in business for many, many years, and he took these old guns, these old antique guns on trade-in for vehicles. He loved old antique guns. And I guess over the years, he built this big priceless gun collection, you know? So, you know, you might think you might not utilize this, but I can almost guarantee you there are going to be times when you're at your dealership and maybe you've got a customer that can't quite come up with the down payment. Well, you can say, okay, you don't have enough cash for the down payment. Can you bring me in? Can you bring me in an iPad or a phone or something like that? So, uh, just remember, it is a trade-in. So, you know, whether or not your state requires you to complete a title application, if you've taken a trade-in, you are going to have to enter that on a try on, on your title application. So do please keep that in mind. And, you know, you might never utilize this, but at the same time, I feel like when you get your dealer's license, when you think outside the box, uh, I mean, there's no limit on what you can do with your dealer's license. You know, maybe uh, if you want to tell your customer, hey, you know, 
Bring in your washers, bring in your dryers, bring in your refrigerators. I mean, if you think outside the box, you can take your dealer's license and literally decorate your entire house. So definitely check out with your dealer regulatory agency there to make sure that that is allowed in your state. Many states do allow personal property to be traded. Most states strictly prohibit something else from being traded, and that's real property, which is real estate, okay? As much as I would have loved to have been able to take like a two acres of trade for some truck, uh, most states don't allow that. So most states, they separate real estate transactions from motor vehicle transactions. So do please do please keep that in mind. But check out your state regulatory agency and see if that is allowed. Uh, you know, you can, like I said, this, this license that you're getting, or maybe you've already got it, if you want to think outside the box, I mean, you can really come up with a multitude of ways to benefit you and your family. I'm always going to recommend... If you've seen some other videos, I had a strategy that worked very well for me when I was buying vehicles. And I bought, I would say I bought about half my vehicles at dealer auctions. I'll talk about the other resources here in a little bit. But I got to the point after the several years of operating a dealership, I started buying lease returns. And, you know, in the lease return line, you're going to get all these vehicles coming off lease, which maybe they're coming off of a two or three year lease. What I found about lease return vehicles, number one, they're fairly low mileage. Uh, they've also been kept in pretty good shape because normally the person that leased that vehicle, they want to get, you know, they don't want to lose a deposit on that lease. So they'll keep them in good shape. They keep them pretty good, low mileage. They almost always still have manufacturer warranty. And there was a, there was a period here recently during the pandemic when we didn't see a lot of lease returns coming back, but they are coming back now. So the lease returns are definitely coming back through the lanes. And, you know, we heard, you heard about the big vehicle sh chip shortage, uh, well, those chips are starting to start to get caught up, so which means there are more persons that are leasing brand new vehicles, and then a lot of times the old leases will come right through the lease lane. So I would literally, you could sit in like Nissan Finance Lane one day, maybe Ford Credit another day or something like that, and it uh, just depends on your dealer auction. So what I would do, I got to the point where I was in the habit and I had built this up quite some time to where I owned my inventory. I didn't owe money, but I would I would go into the dealer auction. I'd stand in the lease return and I would buy in about the nine to 11,000 range. Some of the lower price, like Toyota Corollas, Nissan Sentras and things like that. I seem to do really well with those for quite some time. So I would literally, I would buy a vehicle, say for example, in the auction lanes for 9,500 or 10,000. I would always mark it up about three to $4,000 on my lot. And you always need to price your vehicles on your lot with nine. So there's some there's some psychology on nine. So you don't ever want to ask like fourteen thousand dollars for a vehicle. You want to ask twelve nine nine ninety five or something like that. Okay, or thirteen nine ninety five. So there's a, a a big psychology, a lot of psychology involved in pricing vehicles. So what I would always do, let's just say as as a round number, I pick up a vehicle at a dealer auction for ten thousand dollars. I'd mark it up to thirteen nine ninety five, and then. You know, and maybe even if the blue book was only 12.5, I still would mark it well above blue book because a lot of times you're going to have a customer that brings in their blue book or they've checked it at KBB online and they're going to say, okay, well, you, this car's 13.9, but the blue book's only 12.5. I'm only going to give you 12.5 for it. Well, you know what? It, I'm going to always counter no matter what. But, you know, just think about that. Even if you sell at that offer at 12.5 and you bought that vehicle at 10,000, there's still a $2,500 markup. But I never ever take the first, uh, the first uh, offer, I, you, I always strongly recommend doing a counter. You know, so let's say I got that vehicle priced at thirteen nine ninety five. Customer comes in, and says Blue Book's only twelve five. I'm not giving you a penny over Blue Book. You know, I say, well, what prep that vehicle? We had to put additional money into the brand new tires or something like that. And and I would certainly uh, go meet you halfway at, at 
12 or 13 or 13, two or something like that. But each time you negotiate and give a counter, you want to, you want to make your, your drop a little bit less. So maybe the first time you drop from 13, nine to 13, five, and then the next drop is not a four or $500 drop. You do a $200 drop. So you can go from 13, five to uh, 13, three. And then the final drop would be 13, one. So each time you come back with a counter to your customer, you definitely may want to make that increment a little bit smaller. So, you know, this was the pricing strategy that worked for me. Uh, there are times that many times I had customers come right in and they wouldn't even negotiate, believe it or not. So if I bought that car, just say as an example for $10,000 at the dealer auction and asked $13,995, I did sell vehicles, many vehicles for full asking price. There are customers that will come in and they will not negotiate with you. Well, there, you know, on that pricing method, you might have just made, you know, $1,500 above Blue Book. So I, I often, in my classes that I have throughout the country, I'll have asked, I'll have, I'll be asked all the time, well, what is the, what's the max, what's the limit on the markup? Is it Blue Book value? Is it NADA value? No, there is no limit on the markup. The only limit on the markup is what your customer is willing to pay you for that vehicle. That's why I always say this is a huge uh, high markup industry. And I always, I'm kind of partial because I've been in this industry for so many years, but I think having a dealer's license is really one of the greatest businesses that you can possibly open. There's no limit on the markup. So I recommend shooting as high as you can. Maybe you'll drop that down. Let's say you bought it at 10,000, maybe you sell it for 11,000. Well, you know, that's not bad. You still made made a thousand dollars. But with that being said, once in a blue moon, not very often, but if you have a, a, a vehicle in good condition, you're always going to sell it on the lot. But maybe there's some mechanical issues or something. There could be a chance that you do take that vehicle back to the auction and maybe sell it for less than what you paid for. That is very rare. Once in a blue moon, I'd do that. But it was very, very rare when I would take a vehicle back to the auction. So set of your wholesale pricing, as you see right there on the screen. One of the best uh, recommendations I can give to you when you get your dealer's license, go into these dealer auctions and study vehicle wholesale pricing. When I was in my first couple of dealer auctions many years ago, I was like a kid in a candy store, jumping up and down, you know, throwing a hand up in the air. And I'd see some vehicle on the lane, maybe it was coming through for $3,000. And I think, oh my gosh, this beautiful car is going to sell for $3,000. I know somebody will give me $5,000 for it. And I'd buy it for $3,000, take it back to my lot, look across the street, and there's a dealer across the street that has maybe 10 of them that he can't sell for. 1800 bucks a piece, you know? So I didn't do that wholesale vehicle pricing studying, which I should have. So definitely do this. You can get Mannheim Market Report, which is MMR. Mannheim is the largest dealer auction company in the world. And at the end of every sale, they crunch all of their sales data into the Mannheim Market Report, which is called MMR. And you can download that on your phone. And literally when you're at a dealer auction, you can take your phone and take a picture of the VIN and it'll show you what that vehicle is, what it's sold for last week, what the expected wholesale rate will be this week. And it will normally tell you your expected retail markup as well. So study wholesale pricing. Very, very crucial in success in this industry is to study your wholesale pricing. Okay, so first, let's go ahead and talk about we're going to go make a buy. We're going to go make a buy and we're going to make a buy from an individual. So when you stand in a dealer auction lane, I mean, the dealer auctions make it so simple for you. They And they're great companies. They want you to come back a thousand times, obviously. When you buy a vehicle at a dealer auction, you'll go up to the uh, a desk. You're going to pay it. Uh, the title clerk's going to fill out the title for you. Well, they won't fill it out. They'll have it in a printer. It prints up everything automatically. And they'll make sure that you pay correctly. And then they want you to take those vehicles off the lot. Sometimes, especially lately here, uh, those dealer auctions have been pretty crowded. And the prices have went pretty high because there's been a huge vehicle shortage. So. You want to definitely make sure 
and never rule out buying vehicles from, from individuals. I got to the point where I was buying about half of my inventory right off of Craigslist at one time. And I found that with Craigslist, uh, you can really uh, show up, be the first person at the door with some cash. And I made some great buys. And uh, so maybe you're going to have to do a little bit of, you know, a little bit of mechanics to it or something like that. There's a possibility. But let's go ahead and talk about making a buy from an individual. Okay. So, you know, and there's also other resources for you. Obviously, there's the dealer auctions that you might be looking at, uh, Facebook Marketplace, uh, Craigslist, eBay. Your local newspaper, they're not as great of resources as they used to be. I used to scan the online versions of my local newspapers, um, but uh, I haven't been doing that really as much anymore. Another great resource for you, if you get your dealer's license, is Backlot Cars. You see their website there, backlotcars.com. Uh, when you get your, uh, and I'm not affiliated with any of these companies, by the way. I, you know, I, I don't have any type of endorsement agreements or anything like that. I should have probably been over the years uh, pursuing some endorsement agreements and things like that. But uh, the revenue I generate is off of uh, in-class training and online downloadable training courses. So I'm not with Backlog Cars, but I know they're a great company. I've actually talked to their founders once. And uh, uh, anyway, once you're a licensed dealer, you can log on there and buy franchise trade-ins before they ever go to the dealer auction. So a lot of great resources for you. Okay. So let's go ahead. Let's talk about buying a vehicle from an individual. Now, the first thing you want to do, if you contact that person on Marketplace or Craigslist and tell them that you're going to be there at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, make sure and arrive at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. You know, the the the, bat, the worst thing you can do is, is show up late and then all of a sudden that customer's mad and they're probably not going to lower, uh, go down to your negotiated asking price. Check out the vehicle, inspect that vehicle, you know, make sure it's in good uh, condition. Kick those tires, ask that customer if you can drive it. I got to the point where, I wasn't really driving vehicles that much. Uh, I can pretty much, I mean, it's up to you, but I would start a vehicle up, uh, select a transmission, you know, kick it back and forth. One of the best piece, pieces of advice I can give you is to get you what's called a vehicle diagnostic reader. Okay, a vehicle diagnostic reader is going to help you. And I'll show you a slide of this here in a second. But you can hook one of those up, you know, underneath any vehicle that's newer than 1996, which are going to be most of the vehicles you're looking at more than likely. And it's going to do a computer readout. It's going to tell you if it needs, you know, O2 sensor resets or uh, air conditioning problems, things like that. No matter what, and I'll show you that here in just a second. But I always want you to be aware, you got to keep your comments positive with this customer. This was a customer's personal vehicle that they have sentimental value attached to, I'm almost sure of. So, you know, if it does need... If it needs mechanical, if it has mechanical or physical issues, you know, make notes of those positively. Okay, so please do, uh, please do make positive comments. And so, you know, when you're getting ready to make the offer, let that customer know. Well, hey, you've kept this vehicle in really nice condition, but to make it retail ready, I'm going to have to put new tires on it. I'm going to have to pull this dent out of the back left fender here. And uh, so in order to do that, this is going to be the offer that I can make to you. So you're going to make your offer. Always keep it very positive. You know, even if you got to make significant mechanical repairs, just make sure that you're making positive com comments and always be prepared to counter, you know, so that customer might say, no way, I can't sell at that price, uh, you know, so be prepared to uh, counter, but also be prepared to walk away. And if that customer doesn't come down to the price that you want, you know, leave them a card with your phone number on it and that um, and that asking or that that offer. And then, you know, and tell them, tell him or her that that offer is good for seven days. And, you know, they could think on that for a couple of days and call you back or maybe you'll never hear from them again. But that's something that you always want to be aware of. Just treat that customer with respect and courtesy. And always remember that vehicle is something that's sentimental to them. 
And so you don't want to make a lot of negative comments on their personal vehicle. Keep the comments positive, even if you have to make some changes, uh, then hopefully you can keep those positive. But here's this vehicle diagnostic reader that I want to show you. And look at this one on Amazon right here for $49. And there's a lot of different grades, but, you know, pretty much even a top quality one is probably going to not run more than a couple hundred dollars now. I remember in the past when you couldn't get one of these for less than $1,500. But this this in this industry, a vehicle diagnostic reader is like gold. Okay, you these are great for you. Whether you're taking a trade-in or buying a vehicle from an individual, you definitely need to read that by, uh, vehicle diagnostic. And uh, they call them an OBD II scanner. I don't know how, how they come up with that name. I'm sure there's something, but I always call them a vehicle diagnostic reader. So get one of these. Look at this. Amazon right there, $49. In fact, we we don't even have I, – I, most YouTube uh, people will say, hey, click on the link below because we're an affiliate. We're not even an affiliate. So this is – you go buy this on Amazon, we're not getting any credit. But I just, I happened to read this, and I thought this was a, a one of the cheapest vehicle diagnostic readers I can get. So definitely get you one of these. If you're not using one of these already, uh, I think you're going to find out, like I said, they're like they're really like gold. Okay, so now we've got that vehicle. We're taking that vehicle back to our lot. The first thing you want to do when you have someone come on that lot is be 100% honest. 100% brutal honesty is going to take you to the very top. And when I've got a customer that wants to drive a vehicle, I'd always tell them, I'd look them in the eye before the test drive, and I'd say, hey, listen, this car, uh, this car's pulling the left a little bit. I heard a little bit of noise in the rear end the other day. And come on back here, there's a little dent behind the back left fender or whatever. You know, so uh, with that being said, you want to give full disclosure because think about this scenario. Whenever you're selling that vehicle on that lot, that customer is going to realize any of those mechanical defects before they even take the test drive. So what you want to do is go ahead and disclose those in advance. And studies have actually shown when a customer trusts a dealer, they will actually trust more of an investment with that dealer. Okay. And uh, so think about this scenario. When you give that full disclosure, you built that trust and credibility and that customer is going to trust a lot more of an investment with you than they are going to with this crooked dealer down the street that's lying to absolutely every single person that walks in the door. So it's a win-win situation for you. And there's a reason if you drive around your town or your city and you see some dealers been in business for 20 years and you're gonna look at them and think, my gosh, they got the highest prices in town. There's a reason for this. They have built, they have built their reputation and their customers literally will pay them more for a vehicle. And that's one of the reasons why they have some of the highest prices around is because their customers trust them. So that's something that you always want to be aware of. Give full disclosure. Now, I also want you to be very aware. And let's just run through a scenario here. Let's say you're asking $10,000 for a vehicle, okay? And let's say you got some guy kind of, you know, looking around there. Okay, I'll give you, you $5,000. You're going to get a lot of lowball offers, okay? Now, the first instinct for a lot of dealers is somebody gives you that lowball offer, just tell them, get off my lot. You know, if you're wanting to make some... Uh, serious offers here. I'll spend some time with you, but that's a huge mistake. Okay. What I'm going to recommend, no matter what, no matter what, when, when you've got a customer that made an offer, they're interested in that vehicle and they're going to expect a counter. So even if you get this really low ball offer, you know, you might be asking $10,000. You might have some guy say, well, I'll give you 3,500 for it. Don't chase them off the lot. Say, Hey, let's go inside and see what we've got into this thing. And just stay positive. No matter how low that counter, how, how low that offer is, they're going to expect you to counter. So let's go inside to the office and see what we got into this. So you go into your office, okay, you can get on your computer, kind of start thinking things up here. And uh, no matter what, you're going to counter. So let's just, as a scenario, let's say you're asking $10,000 for this vehicle and the customer says they'll give you $5,000. Say, okay, 
Let's go inside and see what we got into this thing here and see what we can do. Let's see if we can shake hands on this today, okay? So you go inside your office, get on your computer, kind of start looking in what you got. And I always recommend writing your counters on paper. So you got the vehicle for sale for $10,000. They, they offered you $5,000. What I would do in that scenario, I'm going to really get very close to my very bottom acceptable price. So let's just say, okay, I'm going to counter at $8,500. $8,500, I write that down. And then that customer is going to sit there. And by the way, when you've countered and given that customer the counter offer, you don't say a word because the first person that speaks during negotiation processes normally loses. So you you, you give that $8,500 counter, write that down and leave it there and don't say a single word. Let them take a look at that. For the longest time, you don't say a single word. So they're going to sit there and think about it. And there's a chance they're either going to come up kind of a lot closer to that, or maybe they'll come back at 5,200. Well, if they're, if they're, uh, increments coming up are a lot lower than yours, then obviously they're not going to be buying that vehicle. But let's just say you counter at 85. And let's say this person says, you know what, I will give you 7,500 for it. So the next thing you want to do, as I said earlier, you want to counter a lot smaller. So even though you countered the first time from 10,000 down to 8,500, now you want to counter much lower. Oh, uh, say, so no, we're real close here. I mean, the bottom we're going to be able to do is. 82.5. So now you only came down 250. Now that's letting that customer know that you are very, very close to your very, very bottom negotiated price. You know, so maybe they'll come back, maybe they'll come back at 7,900 or something like that. But, but by showing the customer on each counter that the increments are much, much lower, you're showing that customer that you're just about down to the bottom negotiated price. So maybe you finally come down to 8,200. Now, now that seems like $1,800 is seems like a lot off that $10,000 initial asking price. But think about this customer. They might have countered, they might have lowballed offer with, uh, gave you a lowball offer of half the vehicle's price. And all of a sudden you got that up to $1,700 or $1,800 off of your asking. Well, let's say you were asking $10,000 for this. What if you bought it at the dealer auction for $6,000 and you're selling it for $8,200? Well, think about this. Well, there's a $2,200 profit. Okay, so there's really a lot of psychology in this business. So, so make sure and do your counter. And, uh, you know, this is going to be important for you uh, when you start negotiating. Don't ever rule out a person that gives you that low ball crazy offer. They're, they're showing buying signs, in my opinion. So you want to get them in your office and start that negotiation process. So then once you've agreed on that price, go ahead and start uh, doing the paperwork deal and just assume that you have that sale. Always assume that you have that sale when they start making closing signs. Just start pay pulling the paperwork out, uh, your sales reports and your bills of sale and things like that. So please, I hope that you found this helpful. Uh, like I said, we're going to do a live stream every uh, every Friday from here on out. And once again, if you need a license in Texas, California, Ohio, Missouri, or renewing your license in New Mexico, you can go to texasdealers.com, californiadealer.com, ohiodealer.com, missouridealer.com, or newmexicodealer.com. Like I said, we do not have any type of uh, endorsements or affiliates or anything like that. Uh, if you do decide to download one of our training courses or take one of our in-class training courses, that is how we generate revenue. And I also want to give you that final note that uh, we have tons of training courses that you can download at dealertraining.org. That's our official website dealertraining.org. So thank you very much for being here today. I certainly do appreciate you participating in the live stream. So if you're watching this on the replay, I'm going to ask that you please leave your comments below. And I do my very best to answer every single comment. And if you're thinking about getting a license, I strongly encourage you to go for it. You know, there are some expenses with like dealer bonds and things like that to get started, but this can be a very lucrative business. And 
this business has been very good to me, and I think it's going to be very good to you. I have literally seen persons from the wet, worst economic environments and, and lived in the worst areas of the United States get their dealer's license and rise up and increase their income to a whole new level. I've also seen financially secure persons that are financially secure take their income to a whole new level because a dealer's license offers you unlimited income. It really does. Uh, there's unlimited markups on your vehicles. And I would say this is one of the very world's greatest businesses. So thank you very much for being here. I always want to remind you that uh, my name is Dallas Johnson. I am uh, here with the Dealer Training Channel, and we're going to be doing these live streams every Friday at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Mountain, and 7 o'clock Pacific. So thank you very much, and I want to wish you the very best of luck with your new business. Thank you very much.